Good morning. Today's scripture reading comes from Isaiah 41 through 11. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for her, all her sins. A voice cries out, in the wilderness prepare the Lord, the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all people shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flowers fade. When the breath of the Lord blows upon it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tithings. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tithings. Lift it up, do not fear. Say the cities of Judah, here is your God. See the Lord come with might, and his arm rules with him. His reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather his lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Well, good morning, everyone. It's always good to be able to um, share from God's word with you. You know, it's, uh, we're at the end of our time uh, in the uh, chapel preaching series, and I've just been so grateful to be able to walk alongside um, so many just gifted people um, to um, certainly even just hear from our guest speakers, but I'm just really, really grateful for our um, chapel preaching team to be able to hear from Dr. Brower, from Dr. Mary Paul, from Jong Yoon, uh, from Hadley. Hadley's actually speaking right now in Liberty Station. And it's such a, just a, a, a pleasure and an honor for me to be able to, um, to share on this passage of the Lord's Prayer. Because we've been uh, kind of uh, examining what this Lord's Prayer is all about. We've been going line by line, focusing on each uh, movement of what it calls us to be, uh, what, the ways that the prayer is shaping us and the ways that it is making us more and more like Christ. And so this morning, we're going to be focusing on that final line. The line that says, for thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory now and forever. You know, this line is not even uh, included in many of our translations of scripture, but has been viewed as, throughout church history, as a doxology of praise at the very end. That many people believe that the language of this final line came from 1 Chronicles chapter 29, where King David recognizes that he will not be the one who will build the temple for the God of Israel, but it will end up being his son Solomon. And so in this uh, idea of, uh, of building this grand temple, David makes preparations for the building of the temple. He, he, he gathers up uh, metal, precious metals and stones and woods and all the resources that are needed to make this beautiful grand temple. And then he prays this. 
Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor. For everything in heaven and on earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom, and you are exalted as head over all. You know, David had this great desire to build something great and majestic and glorious for the God of heaven and earth. And so his preparation matched the greatness and holiness of God. Because when we prepare, we do it always keeping in mind of the one we are preparing for, the one who is coming. And so we prepare, we get ready. Um, One of the movies that are a must-see for me throughout this season is the movie Elf. I love that movie. Uh, Will Ferrell, he's just one of my favorite actors to, to watch in comedies. And there's this scene where Buddy the Elf is working at a department store as a Christmas elf. And the manager comes out and says... Santa's coming to town at 10 a.m. And he's like, yeah. And then we see uh, Buddy uh, scream out, Santa's coming. I know him. I know him, right? And it's just, I mean, look at that joy, right? And, and, and there's something about that that, uh, that just creates this sense of just hope and joy and expectation in the life of Buddy. And, and because of that, he decorates the whole store accordingly. He puts, he starts cutting up uh, paper snowflakes. He puts up the lights and the Christmas tree, and he basically recreates the place where Santa lives, which is the North Pole. And you see him doing it with such joy in his preparation. You see him do it in a way that no one else can because he has a connection that no one else has. His experience, it comes out of this place of knowing Santa. He knows Santa, and therefore he has this joy, and out of that comes his preparation. And this is what the season of Advent is all about in our relationship to Christ. That it's about our joyful, hopeful, loving anticipation. We remember both that Christ has come, And Christ will come again. And as we wait for Christ's return, we don't wait in a passive manner, but we prepare and we get ready. We get ready by preparing ourselves for the reality to to mirror the heavenly reality of God's kingdom and power and glory that belongs to God. You know, many times, Uh, When we think about Christ's return, it's tied in with places of fear. I think I've shared this before in the past that my family and I used to watch uh, movies on the rapture and they would freak me out. I mean, I could not sleep because there were like all of these things. But the idea of Christ's return should be a place of joy for the Christ follower. It's not placed in a, in a state of fear. It's not, it's not about focusing on the hopelessness of the state of humanity. It's about proclaiming that God has come near. The one who has called himself Emmanuel has drawn near. And he has proclaimed the kingdom of God. 
And this kingdom is not the world's version of power and glory. God's way is different. It belongs to God and it's done in God's way. And this is the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. These words that we have been reflecting on that help us live in a new way. It's an invitation to live in the way of Jesus now so that we may live in active preparation for the fullness when Christ returns. We dwell in the presence of a holy God who calls us children, who asks us to call him father, who calls us his own while making us more and more in the image of his holiness. We desire and live in the reality of of heaven here on earth where God's will is always done. We, We trust and depend on God's provision in our lives knowing that every good gift comes from God, including the gift of forgiveness and that we are to forgive because we have been forgiven in such a lavish way. And our life of forgiveness and love is a mark of our identity in Christ. And then also we ask that even in our tendency to be tempted to do the things, to do things in our own way or believe the lies of the evil one, we ask for strength. We ask for deliverance through the power of God's spirit. And we do this because God's way and God's kingdom is to be lived now and forever. Theologian William Willimon says this, and yet we pray your kingdom come and we pray now and forever. The kingdom is now, but also awaited in eternity. Evil is still present. Pain is pain and tragedy is tragedy. But God is not finished with us or our world yet. We are on the way, but we have not yet arrived at the end of the journey. And by the grace of God, there is more. And because there is more, we prepare. The passage in Isaiah that was just read makes its way into the Gospels, notably about John the Baptist, the forerunner of Jesus' birth and ministry. And he's, he's preaching in the wilderness. He's baptizing people and telling them to repent of their sins in preparation of the one who would be greater than him. And, and this repentance is not this guilt trip about all the wrong that we have done, but it is a loving invitation to return to God. And like Hebrews 12 says, to throw off everything that hinders us and the sin that so easily entangles us so that we can prepare to run the race with perseverance. We are getting rid of all the things that are taking up space in our lives that do not allow us to make space for Christ and his way of life. We realize that our kingdoms, our patterns, our allegiances get in the way of making space for the kingdom of God and God's will to be done on earth. And in this earth, our body, our lives. And so therefore, we need to examine our lives. And so Isaiah 40 gives us these ways of, of examining us and to prepare ourselves. It says, make the highway straight. 
Lift up the valleys. Make every hill and mountain low. Level the ground. Make plain or make smooth the rough places. This is a vision of a place that is in need of repair. Crooked highways, unlevel ground, rough places. And it's a place of self-reflection. To see the places that need to be repaired, to be made right, to be made whole in my life and in my surroundings. And there's a word in scripture that, 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 that talks about this, and it's the word shalom. It's often uh, translated as peace, but it's not peace as, as if uh, it's the absence of chaos and conflict, but it's the presence of something greater entering into these spaces and making them whole and making them very good again. We are in need of God's shalom in our lives. We are in need of God's shalom in our world and in our earth. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Shalom, the one who will bring shalom, wholeness, restored uh, goodness into his never-ending kingdom. And we confess that there are places in our lives that need to be straightened. There are places in our lives that need to be smoothed and leveled out. There are places that need God's fullness and shalom. But there are also places that need to be made low and also places that need to be elevated. Perhaps that's our ego. Perhaps our ego needs to be brought down for humility to be present. Perhaps it's our understanding of others that needs to be raised up to see others as God's beloved. To see places of inequality that need to be made right to be people of justice in our world because God is lovingly making all things right. The kingdom of God makes its way into all places. The gospels talk about the kingdom of God as being like yeast, something that permeates throughout every part of the dough. And so as we prepare allowing the ways of Christ's kingdom to affect all that we are and all that surround us, we have to make space for Christ to come in. One of my earliest memories as a child was going with my dad. My dad, um, before he became a pastor, he would sit in the front row of our small Spanish-speaking church and he would lead songs. And then he would also just take a group of us kids and, uh, you know, kids meaning like, you know, little kids all the way through like teenagers to go and sing at the members of our elderly, elderly members of our church. That little cute nugget in the front is me. And I remember these moments where we would go during Christmas time and sing these songs about Advent, about the coming King and also about the reality that Christ has come and Christ will come again. Songs like Joy to the World, The Lord Has Come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Another song that was a hymn that I would sing in Spanish. I know it's originally in English, but I have no clue uh, what it sounds like in English, but I've sung it in Spanish, so I just translated it for you as I say it in Spanish, and it says this. It's all, it'll be on the slide. Tu dejaste tu trono y corona por mí. 
a venir a Belén a nacer. Y más a ti no fue dado el entrar al mesón y en pesebre te hicieron nacer. Ven a mí, corazón, oh Cristo, pues en él hay lugar para ti. Come to my heart, oh Jesus, because in my heart there is room for you. This is the invitation of the Advent season. The invitation is to create space, to, to examine our lives and see the ways that we need God more than ever. The places that need to be made straight in our lives. The places that need to be smoothed out within our relationships, with our families, within the community, within the body of Christ, the global body of Christ. Seeing all the places that we are possibly fragmented and are in need of being defragmented and made whole again. That we are a body of many members, but also one in Christ, who Christ is the head. And so we are a people, as Christ followers, of preparation. Preparing for the one who will come and make himself king in our lives and in our world. And so we wait. We wait, not in passivity, but actively. Knowing that Christ needs to come into our lives. That Christ needs to be made king in us. We are asked to make space for Christ and Christ's kingdom to dwell in us, in every space of our world. And so this morning, what I'd like for us to do is reflect, to have a time of self-examination in our own lives, to reflect on these uh, couple of thoughts. What needs to be emptied out to create space in preparation for Christ? and Christ's kingdom to dwell in you and around you? What are the hills that need to be made low? What are the places of humility that need to enter in into your lives? What are the valleys that need to be lifted up? The places that need to be elevated, that God needs to elevate in our lives and in our world? What are the paths that need to be made right in our lives and in our world? And so this morning, let us open our hearts to create space for Christ the King to dwell in us.